Amen. Thank you. It's good to have you back. And thank you for being here with us. Uh, this summer, we're going through the book of Colossians, and we've given it the subtitle, Rediscovering Jesus, as we're going back and walking with the ancient Christian community, some of their struggles and some of their discoveries and the Apostle Paul's encouragement to them to go back and, and focus on that initial experience and the encounter of the good news that they find themselves in. In today's passage, in chapter 3, we find three lists of five, which is kind of interesting. Now, there's a whole lot in here, and, and we only have one sermon. I don't know who thought we could get all the way through Colossians this summer. So the, our approach today is going to be to focus on those three lists of five items. As we encounter those lists, and especially the first time we read them, pay attention to your body. Pay attention to how you react when you hear each of these lists. And this week, I invite you to reflect beyond just the time we have this morning, but I invite you to reflect on those three lists. Which ones stood out to you? Which ones did you find yourself having a physical reaction to, a response to? And is it because one of those words or two of them captures a particular struggle that you find yourself in? Is it because there's something about that list that represents your past, an experience that you've had, and you're still a bit sensitive about that? It, do you find yourself with some of those, you find yourself tempted to use it to point out other people's faults and failures? When you read it, you immediately go to, yeah, that's their problem. That's what they have. Or do you find yourself with one of those, it's a reluctance to forgive? Perhaps someone else for what they have done, or perhaps even yourself, what you have experienced. And so we turn our attention to Colossians chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to read from a slightly different translation than what's in the printed worship guide to give you an opportunity to compare how those particular lists are translated into English. And uh, you may have to, again, we're, we're there. We go, thank you. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, and here's the first list, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. And now we get the second list of five. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Uh, this is not connecting. Could you replug that in? Thank you. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. 
As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves, and here's the third list, with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he adds a little more. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Ah, may God help us breathe and reflect and think and grow. Amen. Well, let's take a look at this section by section and open our hearts to what God is doing. Let's go back to the first part of today's text. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, and then this list, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, and then he happens to add, which happens to be idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient, which certainly should get our attention. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. And then the second list, but now you must get rid of all such things. And in some ways, a reflection of the first list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. If you followed us in this series, you'll read warnings that have been coming along the way as the Apostle Paul writes to these ancient people and encouraging none of this gospel plus stuff. Stop letting people add to the truth of the gospel. Stop having them add additional requirements to your experience. Stop having them add these misguided directions and demands to your life once you have encountered good news, the good news of who Jesus is. And so we'll focus for just a moment on that first list. And of course, the first four of those are very sensual in nature. That first word here translated fornication, it's this big umbrella term. Uh, the newer translations usually just do something like sexual impurity or, or, or immorality in general. It, it kind of covers everything. It's what he adds at the end that really gets our attention and, and greed. And then this qualifier, which happens to be idolatry. And, and whether you translate that as greed or, or some of the older words that we may have used, covetousness or avarice, the reality is that's what all of that, all of that list, all five of them have in common. They're all about greed. They're all about avarice. They're all about coveting, wanting what is not mine wanting what is not yours it's that last qualifier that i keep coming back to that grabs my attention a further definition because he's saying it's really idolatry all of these things are wanting things that are not properly yours to have to begin with 
wanting more than what you have, taking it from other people, taking what is not yours, demanding what is not yours. And the summary is that, isn't it really idolatry? Isn't it really substituting something false for the real thing? Isn't it substituting a lesser God for the real God? Isn't it trying to find a way? I want a God that I can control. I want a God that I can manipulate. I want to say, this is what life is all about. This is where I find my being. This is where I find my joy. This is where I find my purpose. This is my reality. And in addition to all of that, it's not going to be the real thing. It's not going to be that which I emulate or the God that I follow, or the God that I worship, but the God that I control. Covetousness, greed. He was with his son this time on the mission trip, and his son was 17 years old. The father had been to Haiti many, many times in the past, and they found themselves walking down one of the main streets of Port-au-Prince, And as always, they were surrounded by these impoverished, poorly dressed, hungry, begging children. And they were begging for pennies. Just pennies. And the father who had been there before said to his son, don't give them anything. If you do, they won't let up until they've got every dime we have. To which the son replied, So, and the father realized, the 17-year-old is teaching me something. Teaching me that being a follower of Christ means to render all of life's resources to meet the needs of others and to trust Jesus for everything I need. Paul's point with this list This is the way life used to be. Why would you want to go back to that? Why would you let people put these further demands on you? This is not what the Creator God intended for you, to live like this. Don't you remember the struggle? Don't you remember the pain? Don't you remember the hurt? And don't you remember the danger of what it means to substitute something false for something that's real? And so he adds to that this second list in verse 8, which is really just an expansion of the first list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander abusive language I suppose it's a good time for all of us to take a personal inventory how's your anger these days how's your rage it gets worse you know how's your malice which really means ill will wishing evil on someone else Slander, hurtful speech, abusive language. 
It really means low speech. We, we can do better than that. This is part of the list where the Apostle Paul says, you, you, you need to get rid of this stuff. It's common to the human experience, but it should be in the past. Now, clearly it wasn't, or he wouldn't be writing this to the people who lived in Colossae at that time. And it should be in the past for those of us who are saying we are now walking with Christ, and yet it still is part of the struggle because it's also part of our culture. Have you encountered any of these in the last week? Anger? Wrath? People speaking ill will or wishing evil on someone? Slander? Speaking poorly about someone else? You seen that online? Heard that in the news? Watched an interview? Felt yourself pulled into it? Somehow it's become acceptable even within the Christian community. If they aren't part of my camp, I can say whatever I want to. If they aren't part of my values and my belief system, I can talk about them any way I want to. It's easier that way. It's time for the people of Colossae to have some new goals. Maybe it's time for us to have some new goals. It doesn't happen by accident, you know, this spiritual growth stuff. It's, it's intentional. It's hard work. It isn't easy. And to that list, he just can't help himself and he adds some more. So don't lie to one another, seeing that you've stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the Creator. Don't lie. Because the motivation is there. That's, that's, that's the way things used to be. And he has this incredible image of a makeover. It's, it's this wonderful metaphor of changing clothes. What's, what's the look you're going for in your life? It happened years ago. I don't remember the meeting. I don't remember why, what I was going to. Our, our daughter was quite young. She's about this tall. And I carefully selected my clothing. And I pulled out one of my favorite ties and I put it on. And I met her in the hallway. And I said, how do I look? She looked me up and down twice. I knew I was going to get an honest answer. And then she said with no guile and no sarcasm. She announced it as if she's figured out the goal. This is what he wants to look like. And she said, you look like a clown. <laughs> Which was not the look I was going for. And I don't think I ever asked her again for her opinion on my clothing. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul has this image of, boy, this isn't easy. And it doesn't happen by accident. And you're not going to wake up one day and figure this out. This is an intentional choice when you get up in the morning and you decide what look you're going for and what you're going to put on. 
And he's using that image of get rid of those old clothes. Get, get rid of that ratty appearance. Get rid of that trashy stuff that you had on. Put on these things. A conscious choice of where you're going today, how you're going to look. Maybe it's even a metaphor for their baptismal clothing that they put on in that day. Getting rid of the street clothes and putting on something new and fresh and clean to represent the new life that they were now choosing. And if it's not enough, verse 11 should grab our attention. In that renewal, there's no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. And Look at the categories. Greek and Jew, national, ethnic pride. Not in the body of Christ. Can't divide it. You're going to have it for who you are, but it can't mean you can treat anyone differently because they don't share that with you. Or religious heritage and practice, circumcised and uncircumcised. We have it right, they have it wrong. Our way is better than their way. Cultural, barbarian, Scythian. I love that he throws in Scythian. I'm not quite sure what that would be today. It's, it's like they're the worst. They're, when we talk about uncivilized barbarians, he's going to call them out by name. This now has their attention. Let's put it this way. What's the group that you can never imagine those people responding to the gospel? Well, what's, the group of, what's that group that in your mind you're wasting your time telling them good news? What's the group that you gave up on a long time ago? Who's the group you do not want as your neighbor? And he even throws in some economic, slave and free. What an incredible division in the ancient world and what an incredible challenge in the ancient church. Can you imagine what that must have been like to say as they come into those homes where they're worshiping together? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this stuff. It doesn't even matter if that person was a slave. When you walk inside the door, none of that counts anymore. And, and, and what are those things we bring in here today? It doesn't matter. We can't let that divide us. We can't let that pull us apart. We can't let this pull us away from our experience and the good news or the mission that God has called us to. As God's chosen ones, boy, he's laid it on heavy now. Holy and beloved. Put on some new clothes. This is the list. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Here's one way I found, this is a suggestion someone gave, this is a way to explore this. Imagine there are two small communities, two small towns, they're separated by, oh, 10, 15 miles, they aren't far apart, and each of those communities has a clear reputation. In one community that you could live in, this is what they're known for, immorality, greed, anger, rage ill intent, slander, abusive language. Just down the road is another community, and this is what they're known for. Compassion, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Where do you want to live? Where are you living? What kind of community are your actions and your words creating? Because they are, you know. You are shaping other people. You have the option as you hear people in that first category, how you respond will encourage that behavior or change the direction of that behavior. And just like before, Paul adds some more to it. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, you have to forgive each other. Didn't God forgive you? So when you're putting on those clothes in the morning, make a conscious choice and put some love on and see what happens as it binds everything together. We, we live in a challenging time. Turn on the news, listen to the radio, pull it up on the internet, watch some interviews, read some posts, hear the malice, feel the rage, experience the anger, the abusive speech. Friday, one of our church members sent me a text and I contacted him yesterday and asked, can I, can I share this with our congregation? And I have permission to do this. This is the text. So I realized something yesterday, which I told to my wife. Even if today, right now, everything was okay in regards to COVID-19 and our local government's response to it, we would still have lived through something for the past five to six years, the scars of which we'll carry for the rest of our lives. We'll feel the division between us and our families and friends until we die. It's an incredibly lonely feeling. That's if everything were going to be okay as of right now, and everything is not going to be okay. For the first time in my life, I think I'm truly depressed. It's hard to get out of bed and face the day. I was feeling rather pastoral at the moment, caught me at a good time. Plus, I had been reading Colossians chapter 3, and this is my response. I agree with your assessment and statement of our sad reality, but there's also resurrection hope. Not giving up. We can do this, and we can model a better way. We'll just limp a bit like a patriarch having wrestled with life in God. And like Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel because from that point on, his life was now changed. Our encounters with life and with God are not easy. They are challenging. And together we limp toward a new future. Not defined by fear, but by God's, division, God's vision and God's hope. And can't you feel it in this last part? So let the peace of Christ 
not that other stuff. Not the anxiety, not the fear, not the anger, not the malice, not the wrath. Let the peace of God or Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Whew. Kept coming back to that one. The words of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus. Not the news, not the latest post, not the latest commentary. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. He was teaching at the University of Pennsylvania and became friends with a young student from a completely different religious tradition, not a Christian tradition. And along the way, because of their friendship and conversations, this student decides to become a follower of Jesus. This professor tries to mentor the student and give direction on how it, what it means to live as a Christian. And he encourages this young man to attend a particular church, a church that was known as a Bible-believing and a Bible-teaching church. And they met several weeks later. And this is what the student said. You know... If you put a committee together and ask them to take the Beatitudes, the words of Jesus, and ask them to take the Beatitudes and create a religion that contradicted every one of them, you would come pretty close to what I'm hearing down there at that church. Whereas Jesus said, blessed are the poor, down there they make it clear that it's the rich who are blessed. And Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, but the people at that church have a religion that promises happiness with no crucifixions. And Jesus talked about the meek being blessed, and they talk as if they took assertiveness training classes. Jesus may have talked about the merciful and peacemakers, and well, then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I read the response, and I thought, he could be talking about me. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. May I suggest that instead of using one of these three lists to condemn others, you use these lists to decide what look you're going for what you're going to put on in the morning, what your life is going to be like, what our world could be like. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we open our hearts for just a moment. We, we risk saying, here am I. For just a moment, we feel a bit vulnerable and open as we've listened to these words and the challenge. And we say, use us. We ask, help us. We confess, forgive us. May your will be done. 
and let it start with me. Because of resurrection hope. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing and celebrate the hope that we have, and we give you this chance to respond. If we can pray with you and introduce you what it means to be a follower of Jesus, please don't miss this opportunity. If you've been feeling Christ nudging you to get involved, Christ pushing you just a little bit, don't, don't resist that. Uh, looking for a community, people that will link arms with you, to discover God's gift and calling in your life. Why don't you explore that here with us? Together, we'll seek God's will. Will you stand as we sing?